I am so glad that you are joining Cindy LeFevre Yorks for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. We pray these encouraging words will enrich and bless your day. Quenching Your Thirst in Dry Seasons I live in Southern California, whereas the song famously says it never rains. Of course, a line that comes up later in the song states, But girl, don't they warn you, it pours. Man, it pours. Albert Hammond knew what he was talking about in that soulful ballad. In life, as in his song, torrential rain is a metaphor for trials and troubles. But since I live in a place where rain is scarce, its arrival is more akin to a shooting star or a double rainbow. So we are more inclined to greet its arrival with heartfelt thanksgiving as it moistens the dry land on which it descends. In fact, if you gaze on the surrounding hills as you drive through the area, you will notice patches of dead brush and grass punctuated with lush green succulents. These succulent plants are able to survive severe times of drought due to their amazing adaptation. Succulents are plants poised to retain water in arid climates and soil conditions. They currently enjoy an enormous popularity due in part to their low-maintenance level of care. They feature thickened, engorged parts with regard to their leaves, stems, and roots. They are able to thrive on the most minimal of moisture sources, including mist and dew, in deserts and other low-rainfall areas, while other plants wouldn't stand a chance. So hardy are some succulents that they are able to withstand extreme droughts lasting as long as two years without significant measurable rainfall. We as Christians can thrive despite the odds too. We must also learn to adapt to dry seasons in our spiritual lives. We may need to rely on water in a time of rainfall to sustain us in periods of spiritual drought. We see this modeled with the Israelites as they wandered through the desert for 40 years until God saw fit to permit them to enter the promised land. And in your life, you may experience a life-changing mountaintop moment only to find yourself smack dab in the desert with no canteen and no glimpse of an oasis of any kind. Jesus knew about the wilderness. He went from his glorious baptism and affirmation of his Father and the resting of the Spirit on him to immediately being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I don't know about you, but I take a certain amount of comfort in knowing that in Matthew 4, 1, where the temptation of Jesus is recorded, We read that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. To me, this means that Jesus remains connected to the Spirit and the Spirit connected to Him. What Satan does with the temptation is not part of what the Holy Spirit would sanction, but the temptation itself is permitted. Of course, Jesus is the living water, but even He sustained Himself daily with God's Word and departing from the crowds, withdrawing to rehydrate Himself with the presence of God and His refreshing words and promises. We are not as hardy as the succulent in a spiritual sense, but when we are able to store up living water by reading God's Word and hydrating ourselves with His words and promises, we achieve a kind of storehouse of sustenance that can see us through periods of drought. We become like the tree described in Jeremiah 17.8. In this famous passage we read, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him, and that Him referred to in this instance, is God. The prophet goes on to say that this proverbial man is like a tree planted by the waters that sends out its roots towards the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. 
Its leaves are always green. It does not worry in a year of drought, nor does it cease to produce fruit. Are you hydrated? Is your succulent self-positioned to store water in case of drought? Are you expecting mountaintop moments all the time, or are you partnering with God as the Holy Spirit comes along, in temptation or at dry times, when you feel like God is more silent? Sometimes these droughts are designed to prepare us to hear from Him by creating a kind of longing to hear what He has to say and to feel His peaceful presence. Join me in being mindful of our deep longing to hear from God. Let's ask Him to sustain us like succulents as we await for what He has for our lives. Fresh rain will fall in His perfect timing. Jesus' temptation came after He was baptized and He was immediately led into the wilderness. I'd like to read this excerpt from my third book, The Vault Door, about the signs of the dove. Valuable Lessons from Creation, Signs of the Dove Doves, primarily turtle doves, are mentioned throughout the Bible. They are designated as an animal for atonement and sacrifice. The small bird was a common sacrifice for families of modest means in ancient times who could not afford to sacrifice larger animals. Doves are also known to play pivotal roles in signaling God's presence, particularly that of the Holy Spirit, and were used by God to visually enhance His communication with His people. The first dove mentioned specifically in the Bible was in Genesis 8. It was the one Noah released after 40 days of rain. When the dove first flew out of a small window of the ark, it found nowhere to perch, so it returned. After seven days, Noah again released the dove. It returned in the evening with a freshly plucked olive leaf. Noah waited another seven days and again sent the dove out a third time and a final time, and when it did not return, Noah knew it was safe to exit the ark. Turtle doves in particular are popular in literature and song and are also featured in the popular song The Twelve Days of Christmas. Though there is some dispute over its origins, theologians believe the song may have been written by English Catholics to help children learn church doctrine. The two turtle doves in the song are said to represent the Old and New Testament of the Bible, for instance. Because doves, more often than not, mate for life, It was a common practice for doves to be released at outdoor wedding ceremonies for many years. Doves remain part of this culture. In both instances where the dove appeared in the Old and New Testaments, God was building a bridge between Himself and His people. After the wrath of the flood that wiped out an entire people, saved Noah and his family, the dove communicated to Noah that it was safe to disembark, and they began again to populate the planet. When the Spirit of God descended like a dove— Lighting on Jesus, as we read in both Matthew 3 and Luke 3, God communicated within earshot of His disciples that He took delight in His Son. Today, we often see depictions of doves on altars and on decorative felt banners in church sanctuaries. This image serves as a reminder of the Holy Spirit's presence. We are blessed to live in this post-Pentecost time. Prior to Pentecost, God had not sent His Holy Spirit to stay with His people. Today the Holy Spirit resides in everyone who professes faith in the one true God, accepts Jesus as his Messiah and Lord of his life, and is baptized with water and the Spirit, as we read in John 3, 5. What an awesome privilege to be able to tap into that power daily as sons and daughters of the King. And the keys to kingdom living are, thank God for the bridges he builds in your daily life. And the doorpost is, after Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove 
and coming down on him. And that's from Matthew 3.16. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of His GPS for Your SOS. Cindy also posts encouragement daily on Instagram. Her blogs can be found on her website, cindyyorks.com. Her entire Door Devotion trilogy is now available on Amazon.